0: Makers of Sport Podcasts Episode 109 with Sports as a Job Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the Makers of Sport podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, at T Adam Martin on Twitter. This episode is a bit different as it's not me doing the interviewing. I was recently on another podcast in the sports business space called Sports as a Job. It's a series of podcasts and a website focused on sports industry news, people, and stories hosted by a talented young man that works in small college athletics named Colby Castillo. Colby brought me on his show to tell the story of the founding of Makers of Sport, which, I cannot believe, happened six years ago, um, as well as to tell my story of being self-employed, running a design studio full-time for 14 years. Uh, by the, that, I've rebranded that a couple different times, but it's it used to be known as Mountain & Company, now it's known as T.A. Martin Studio. Some of you hardcore fans may remember when I told the story of that rebranding back on the Interception episode on episode 25, many years ago, where my friend, Joe Bosack turned the mic back on me and I told my own story. Um, however, that was very early in the makers of sport journey. So there wasn't a whole lot, uh, you know, again, it was only 24 episodes prior to that. Um, a lot has changed since then. Uh, many years later, many connections later. Um, this has been such a blessing running this show, meeting all of the people and going all the places that it has taken me. So I figured it might be time for a retelling or an update of that and where this thing has taken me on my own journey. So I decided to um, take Colby's audio of that interview and put it in here as well as expose him to maybe some people out there that are looking for some other podcasts and especially in the sports business space. It's not necessarily a design or creative related show as he does interview people that work in like sports management and sports information directors and whatnot but um, he did allow me to tell my own story. And honestly, he was a great interviewer. Uh, So I hope that you enjoy this interview that Colby conducted as I discuss my own career and the blessings makers of sport has brought me over the years. Without further ado, here I am on Sports as a Job podcast interviewed by the host Colby Castillo.
1: From the time we are born, we are placed in a bubble. It may be a result of where we are born, the people we are around, or the information we are given. Our mission here on the Sports Is A Job podcast is to pop the bubble and help everyone realize they control their own path. We will interview people working in sports to share their story and provide our take on sport industry topics. Hosted by Colby Castillo and Olivia Poutine, welcome to the Sports Is A Job podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Sports Is A Job podcast journey. Of the working sports professional. My name is Colby Castillo, and unfortunately, I could not be joined by our co host, Olivia, today. But I have a very special guest for all of you listeners. And, and it's an honor for me to have him on, and I mentioned it to him before we started recording. But he's really, because he's created a resource that's really the standard for sports as a job. We want to help sport professionals out there, and it's exactly what he's been doing um, really since 2014. So I have the founder of Maker of Sports and an entrepreneur. So I'd like to welcome Adam Martin to the podcast. How are we doing today? Good,
0: man. I appreciate you having me aboard.
1: And, you know, one of the interesting things for me, it's always the beginning. It's always of how someone got started. And I've been able to hear so many different perspectives and so many different reasons. So for you, Adam, what was the reason for you choosing the sports industry as kind of your career?
0: Yeah, so it goes back to growing up in Kentucky which is where i still live um i had no choice but to be a kentucky basketball fan <laughs> um you know you're just inundated with that here and so so basketball uh, the basketball bug bit me early and uh, a byproduct of of basketball uh, is just the culture of basketball surrounding it right so that sort of sp- like goes into sneakers and uh we you know today it influences fashion and those types of things so and then i mean hip-hop and those types of things growing up as well um but i think when i made the choice to really pursue sport um i I went to school for graphic design at a, a small school south of lexington kentucky called eastern kentucky university um, I got a BFA in graphic design, and my my initial goal was to really design sneakers. Right, it was like any, any way I could figure out how to design sneakers, that's what I want to do. Right, and when I was in high school, I would draw I would draw like the covers of Slam magazine. Uh, right. There's like that famous Allen Iverson cover where he's got like his afro out and all those all these chains on. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so so I was always a basketball junkie, and um, and then reading Slam, uh, the the writing was so interesting to me. Right, because we were it was, it kind of hit me at a certain time where I'm growing up, you know, I'm in middle school and we're learning how to write. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, you know, English language arts, whatever those types of classes. And then slam was writing in sort of like hip hop language. So (laughs) to me, it was like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. Like I didn't, I didn't, you know, we didn't have these blogs and people sort of expressing their voice in that way. Um, so, uh, Back to college, go, go for graphic design. Uh, the proper path to go design sneakers would have been industrial design, but they didn't have that at my university. So I was like, well, I met this baseball, I, I, I initially uh, picked art, right? So I was like, okay, art, maybe there's something in there, whatever. Um, met a baseball player at the school uh, in one of my first classes. And he was like, yeah, I wanted to do that too when I got recruited to come here, but they didn't have it. So I chose graphic design. And I was like, well, what's graphic design? Um, so, I looked into it. it had the word "design" in it, so I was like, <laughs> "Sure, why not?" right chose it, ended up finding out it was it was logos and brochures, and really all of like these visual pieces uh, um that surround um just about everything, right just communication in general in like the visual form um so So I fell in love with it, fortunately for me, and after school but I, but I still' didn't know that there was a uh, i still wasn 't familiar with sports marketing that it was a thing because i didn 't work most I would imagine most people that come on your show like worked in college athletics right as like a grad assistant or whatever there 's a lot of people that kind of go that path. Um, I did not go that path i um, I got sort of lucky and uh, applied at this company called host communications and uh, historically so um, there's this guy, his name is Jim Host, and he is a, a pioneer in the sports business industry, especially in college athletics. So this sort of multimedia rights management business that is all over college athletics today, he was one of the guys that kind of invented that. Um, he, he, he brought sort of sponsorship to radio and, and all these types of things. His company uh, was called Host Communications, and we would design game programs schedule cards, all the things that are really done in-house today. That stuff wasn't done in-house at that time for most places. Um, and, and that company got acquired by uh, a global sports management agency called IMG, and it became IMG College. So IMG at the time didn't have a college representation. Uh, they just had like the professional aspect of things. So it became IMG College and, and and now it's since merged with Learfield and is known as Learfield IMG College. But, but that particular job is what opened up the world of sports marketing to me, I would say. Uh, previously, I didn't know that that was necessarily a thing.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting to have you on and for you to mention that your path is a lot different than others because we've had a few people on who talk about they didn't even start in college athletics. They didn't even start in pro sports or sports in general. They were working in in outside of the sports industry and it just so happened um, they had the opportunity and luck came their way that they were able to get that foot into the door. Now, a big part of your your career, I guess you could say, your journey is that in 2006, you started your own company called the T.A. Martin Studio and you left your job at the time. Um, you know, what was that process like for you? Where were you, I guess, could you say, I mean, you left your job. So were you confident in this company that you were starting?
0: Um, I was not confident. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's actually, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurial stories, there's some that have that perfect, um, scenario where I knew I wanted to do this. This is what I'm doing for me. Um, I did not grow up in an entrepreneurial family, right? So for me, my mindset was I need to go get a job and I need to work there for 30 years, right. And get a watch or whatever you get when you retire and the whole like sort of stereotypical American dream life. Um, so I, I did not know that entrepreneurship was even an option, right. Cause even in school, like they don't even, they don't necessarily teach that, right. Like whether you're in high school or college, it's like, Hey, go pursue, uh, get a job. Like we want to pl- place you in a job or whatever after school. Um, so I was at Host Communications. It was a very, very, very stressful job, um, and and I knew that um, things were very cyclical. So you know, we were starting, we were designing things that I'd already designed before, um, and, and and I would, like my path forward there. Uh, speaking with people that had been there for a while, there was no no room to sort of essentially move up into like the next position. Our creative director at the time got completely eliminated, so. The, the, the highest level I would have been able to go would have been create a director, but they basically just eliminated the position. So for me, I, I didn't see really a path forward. So um, I uh, at the time, I, my, my now wife, uh, we've been married for, uh, I think, 12 years this summer. Um, but uh, at the time we were dating and we didn't have any immediate plans on getting married. So I thought, man, I'm just going to quit and uh, and try to see if I can freelance for a while. But th- this whole time, like, I-, I mean, I kept looking for jobs, right? So for me, I was like, this is just a temporary thing. But then, um, you know, you interview at a place, don't get the job, interview another place, don't get the job. And then out of necessity, you're just, I was just like, I need to like freelance so that I can pay some bills, right? So over time, you know, one year turned into two, two year turned into three. And then I would say probably like, um, I would say probably year two, I was, I was like, okay, this is a thing now. I mean, I'm, I've done this now for two years. Uh, I, I, but you know, cause I was still sort of reaching out and interviewing places and trying to decide what I wanted to do. But, um, at that point I was like, I'm an entrepreneur right now. I need to just start calling myself that confidently and, and pursue that Avenue. And so, Uh, That's what I did. And, and, you know, it was uncomfortable. And, and I, and I think what's interesting is six years down that journey, um, I got approached by a company in Lexington, which was a web design company. And they wanted me to come be their creative director. Um, and they still had like a sports angle. They were doing some stuff like they built Desmond Howard's website and some of these things. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. Um, I took that job because I wanted to see if I could work somewhere again, right? (laughs) Because I thought, okay, you know, there's the hunt, kill, eat aspect of when you're in the services business, right? Like when you're in the services business, you're servicing a customer. You have to find clients. You have to service those clients. You have to invoice, whatever, as opposed to, um, you know, some product you build online that just makes money while you sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a totally different aspect. Um, so, So the grind of that, you know, it was, it was a, it was a tough, tough road. And I was like, let me go take this job, see how this works out um, and and have a paycheck just show up every two weeks. Right. (laughs) So, so I go do that. And, and then I learned as I was there over, I was there for about a year. um, I just did not uh, I just felt like I was building somebody else's thing. And I sat down with the owner one day and I was like, you know, man, I, I think I've just gotten into this mindset where I really want to build my own my own journey, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and people talk about a lot of times you'll, you'll meet entrepreneurs that kind of have the entrepreneurial bug that bites them. And they're like, I just, I can't get away from it. I got to keep building things. And that's why you'll see all these, all these, uh, um, you know, very successful entrepreneurs that sell their companies or whatever, especially in the tech startup world. And then they'll move on and they'll just go make another company, right? Because they have this thing about building these things. It's like this uh, this passion. And so that's what happened with me. Uh, I, I, met, I met with him. I was like, no offense, man. I just feel like I'm building your thing and, and I kind of want to build my own thing. So throughout this time, I kept my, I had an LLC and I, I kept it open, right? I never closed it. Um. So... Um, I just you know the company still essentially existed. It was just an easy transition to come back out and I rebranded. Initially, I was running my company as a Martin design. Um so I rebranded and uh, and and then also, when I left that company, that leads up to the start of makers of sport. So uh, I wanted to uh, challenge myself to do something because I'd already done the uncomfortable thing of starting like a freelance uh, creative business. At that point, I wanted to do something completely different um, uh, in addition, right? Because I still need to make money. So the freelance business is what feeds the, the thing. Um, so I was, I, I'd been a podcast listener for years, uh, many, many years. And, and there was this one show I kept looking for that just didn't exist, which was this sort of intersection of design and sport. Um, so I was just like, look, man, I'm just going to try to figure this out and start it. And, <laughs> and that, that kind of leads into that conversation.
1: Yeah, and I, the one thing I do want to stick on, you know, you starting, um, you know, TA Martin Studio. A lot of times, people say when you have your first business, right? You remember the first dollar you make. You remember the first person to give you that dollar. Um, would you happen to remember maybe the first company or or team or person that gave you that first contract in your freelancing company? <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely do. Um, and that would have that actually would have come before I even started the company. My first freelance client I ever did work for. Um, I was, when I was in college, my senior college, I interned for this, uh, small advertising agency. And, and we did like car ads, you know, all kinds of sort of like the typical stuff that a, that a, uh, a boutique advertising agency in a, in a city would do. Um, and the president had this, uh, music business on the side and he had this, um, this singer that he was promoting, so I, I did some posters for that singer, <laughs> and 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 got paid for it. But uh, my first uh, client, as an actual like when I'd set up an actual business, w- uh, was that agency. So what happened was they, um, it, it was it was a it was a guy that was a local entrepreneur, owned a bunch of car dealerships, owned a bunch of restaurants. He he got tired of dealing with ad agencies, so he started his own, and so um, that's where I interned at. But eventually, he was just not an agency guy, right? So he, he couldn't, he didn't know how that business worked. So eventually, people left. He couldn't keep talent, that type of thing. And then um, they had just hired this marketing girl to come in to do, to kind of run that in-house. But they were still, she was still called that agency, but it was basically just now working with his businesses. Mm-hmm. And so they still needed a designer to get the stuff done. So they called me and, and I worked with them, you know, through that
1: transition. So... I mean, it's, it's for me, you know, listening to your journey, you're doing a lot of this freelance work, this creative work for companies outside of the sports industry. And I think for a lot of people, when it comes to the creative side, um, they're looking at the different opportunities, especially right now with, with, with the pandemic and everything being at a hiring freeze for the sports industry. Uh, they're looking at, maybe I should get an opportunity outside of the sports industry, you know? They, they don't want to limit themselves and they do have to pay the bills. So what would you say to them? I mean, is design, design, creative design the same no matter what industry it is? Well, there, <clears throat> there are principles that, that go across, right? I mean,
0: you have to understand um, composition, you, know, you have to understand um, good typography, how to work with words, how to make the, how, different hierarchies, how hierarchies work when you're putting, <clears throat> when you're putting things in a layout. Um, you also have to understand the, the software, right? Which, which a lot of times the software, people will learn the software, but they won't actually learn the principles of graphic design, right? So people will learn how to make really interesting things in Photoshop, but they're, they're still missing that piece of, there's like this sort of refining aspect to it where people, they may look at it and they're, be, and they're like, I can't, I can't figure out why I can't get this to look right. Right. And and a lot of times it's because there's this lack of harmony, I guess, between all the elements. Right. Where like there should be a hierarchy and where's our focal point and what's the most important piece and all those things. So, yes, those things do translate across um, across industry. I I do like to tell people that sports um, working in sports. Uh, if, if you, it's all in your in your mind, like how broad you make it, right? Like, so some people zero in on working in sports means working at a college, right? Or working for a professional team. And for me, I never really really viewed it that way because I never actually did that, right? Like I, I worked at an agency, a communications agency that did the, these things for these companies, uh, for sports organizations before they started building full-blown in-house media departments. But I also view the world of like tech startups, um, you know, fitness uh, companies. To me, all that is sport, right? Like that whole thing is sport. Um, And so, if you broaden your 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 outlook on what on what the definition of sports, working in sports is, um, I I feel like there's a lot of opportunity, right? Now, I personally still do take on non sports related clients, but my brand positioning. The way that I position myself publicly is as a sports marketing designer. Um, I don't necessarily publicly sell the cert, like, you know, I'm not out posting websites of like furniture companies and stuff like that saying, I want to get this work, right? But I will do that work if, if like a, a referral or, or a previous connection comes to me and it's, you know, something that, that will work out. I will continue to take on those projects to supplement the, the um, you know, and, and pour back into the business. Uh, so that I can promote myself as like the
1: sports branding and design uh, Mm -hmm. studio. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting for you to say to broaden your outlook and perspective will open up a lot of opportunities. Because one of the things I kind of preach or always say is that we're trying to pop the bubble of limitation. And this bubble that I'm speaking about, like you said, your certain experiences make you Have this broad outlook, but for some people, I mean, all they know is college athletics. So there, that's their experiences. That's the opportunity they seek. So bringing on someone like you, Adam, and all the other guests to explain that, like, hey, like these are the different perspectives. These are the different paths. So you realize that you can't, you don't have to just go down this narrow one. There's a hundred different more that you can go down towards. Um, I, I want to get into the makers of sports now. It, it leads into that conversation. So if you can kind of tell me, tell everybody who's listening what makers of sports is, and and it's been around since 2014. So I'm sure there's a lot of people who are aware of that.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> um when when I when I left that web design company to go back out and and essentially reopen my my um you know book of business, I guess you could say. Um, I wanted to challenge myself to do something different. I was looking for this podcast. It didn't exist. So I decided I would start it. And, and because I was passionate about the intersection of design and sport, there were some people that I knew that I had met, that I had went to go see Speak um, at, at various places um, that I had actually brought in to Speak because I was serving on like the board of directors for the American Advertising Federation's local uh, uh, Lexington, Kentucky chapter. Um, so I called a couple of these guys up and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm starting a podcast. Would, can you, would you, would you come on? Right. Um, and so, uh, I, I, I was coming up with names, um, you know, started generic sports design podcast, you know, these, these types of things. But, uh, having come from like this sort of startup world and, and, and off and freshly leaving this company where I worked with a lot of developers that had kind of like, what I would call this maker mentality. Um, there's like this uh, 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 in the in the tech startup world. There's this whole thing like make things right, just make products and ship those ship those things right. Like um, uh, don't wait on permission. Go go push yourself. Go do things because there's a lot of gatekeepers with the way the internet works now. Like all that's gone right in in a lot of ways. So push yourself to do things that are challenging make things. And so this sort of word make kept sticking in my head, maker, maker. And then there's also that aspect of, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, historically, like in the U.S., we used to be makers, right? Like entrepreneurs historically um, were people that actually made things, right? Like cobblers uh, making shoes or uh, uh, bakers or, you know, people like that. They were just physically making these things. So I liked that word um, and then and I also liked the word sport because it felt like it had kind of this um, global kind of feel to it. If, if you notice, uh, if you pay attention to like in, in Europe, they don't really say like when they, they say sport, right? Like they don't really use sports with the, uh, with the plural. So I did like that and I knew I wanted to be uh, um, a little broader than essentially my little reach here in the States because I'm a soccer fan. Um, and so I came up with the name makers of sport, um, it all, all of the domains. And of course, you know, that's the first thing you do, right? You check what are the domains? Like, can I get the usernames? All that was there, set up a Twitter account, um, bought the domain and then, uh, uh, really quickly designed a website and had a a buddy of mine. That's a Drupal developer design like, uh, develop this thing. So the the website is sorely in need of a redesign. I I didn't even do like a mobile version. I was just like, I want to get this out. Like it's like a um, uh, what they call in the startup world, a, they call it an MVP, a minimum viable product. Like get the idea out there, put it out, and then refine and iterate on it over time. But you just got to get it out there, right? Because a lot of people try to make things perfect before they launch it out into the world, right? And and that and that's a really hard thing when you are uh, a creative too, because we have this taste when we see things, and we want like our brains will look at something and and it's like we want. Our stuff to look like that, but we physically can't get there because uh, we just haven't done put in the time to be able to make that. And there's this guy, um, Ira Glass, who is a um, uh, he's a he's a NPR radio <clears throat> personality. And years ago, he had this quote called the gap, and, and and the gap was I'm sort of I'm on a tangent here, but I think this is an important thing for for listeners. Um, the gap is essentially that that space between what your taste and what you physically have the capability to make. Right. So you see these beautiful things. I want to make that, but when you try to make it, it's not any good. The thing that you make isn't any good. So the only way to close that gap is to make a bunch of work, right? Like keep making, keep making, keep making, keep making. And eventually the gap starts to shorten over time. Um, so, so knowing that, right. Um, uh, was also a big part of that journey. And let's just publish things. Let's iterate in public. I'm not going to be good at any good at interviewing people in the beginning. Right. I'm worried about that. Um, I also have, um, I also have my own insecurities about like where I'm from. Right. So there's a little bit of that whole, like what's this Kentucky hillbilly, you know, going to pop on the microphone. <laughs> the last thing anybody wants to hear is this guy's accent, you know? Um So, so yeah, man, I just challenged myself and, and what started as a podcast, uh, and, and it still is a podcast is still very much a big aspect to what it, what, uh, makers of sport is. Um, but it's kind of become, I, I almost would refer to it now as like a little more of just like a social media brand in general, because I'm very active on Twitter and, and I'm posting a lot of links and I'm trying to interact. Um, uh, and, and I've, and I've sort of expanded though, the, the, um, from just design to, I sort of have like these four buckets that I like to talk, that I like to say that I sort of cover, so to speak, from like a, like a quote unquote media perspective. And it's essentially design, advertising, brands, and startups. Right. So, and, and there's a, and, and the through line through all that is creativity, right? Like creativity weaves its way through all of those buckets. Um, so yeah, now I essentially interview people that, um, <clears throat> that meet one of those, like that criteria, um, and then also that are doing interesting things, right? So it ranges from people working in house as designers or creatives at say a college athletics department to a professional team, all the way to one of my recent interviews is, is a guy who makes, who hand makes baseballs and kind of is trying to like revive this sort of historical era of baseball with these beautiful, um, these beautiful balls. I've actually got one. I, this is, uh, a. <clears throat> So this is, uh, this is one of the balls and I don't know if, yeah, so my logo is on there and this company is called Huntington Baseball Company. Um, So yeah, man, I mean, and this is where, this is where I talk about broadening your scope on creativity in sport, right? Because I don't think a lot of people would think about this as a guy that is an entrepreneur that works in sports, right? Mm -hmm. But he is. Uh, So yeah, and, and it's been such a, such an incredible blessing makers of sport has it's it's um and and i'm sure you're finding this as well which i think it's awesome what you're doing um like you people will say i'll often get this thing especially early on people will say oh well how does how does that thing make any money and it's like it's not always about the money man the 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 um you can't put a monetary value on the experiences that this thing has has given me right that the the places that, it, that makers of sport has been able to take me the people that makers of sport has allowed me to meet um, you know there's a guy that um, <clears throat> that i 'm bringing on the show who is uh um, is uh, a Syrian refugee who's sort of like um, in over in Europe right now he eventually wants to come to the states but he, he, cre- he has created this startup um, that is uh, a three d he makes three d like assets for creatives. So like uh, if you were designing a basketball court and you needed to have, I need to like mock up like the logo on the basketball court and all that stuff. He's the guy that designs that court. Like he, he sells these things. Um, his company is called Sports Templates. And like that, like me having an hour conversation with that guy, um, that would have never happened if I didn't start Makers of Sport. It's so crazy because my, my head was so zoned in on my little piece of like the U.S., you know, of like my city. I'm a designer in my city. That was where my market was, um, and and this is just—it's it, been incredible, man. It's been—it's been insane, and and honestly, like I, I hope that you you get to have these same experiences with with what you're doing because um, I enjoy. I've I've learned that I really enjoy speaking with people and hearing their stories. You know, mm-hmm. and and I have as a as a um, as a person that has a very broad like a lot of interests, I mean, I read it. You can see behind me. I read a lot of books, uh, even if I don't read them all. I sort of scan them and I try to get as much information as I as I can. Um, I, I like to. I feel like that I'm able to have conversations with a lot of people, um, and and maybe maybe them leave with like maybe I can leave them with a little nugget of some some type of like blessing or some kind of like. Interesting piece that, like, they didn't know about, or be able to pull something out of their story that they didn't think was that big of a deal, right?
1: Mm-hmm. So, and it's, yeah, it, man. It's, it's, it's interesting because you talked about like you can't put a monetary value on what it was you're doing, and I'm finding out now. I mean, I'm only November of 2019, that's when the podcast started, and like, just like how you're doing it, the podcast is the main thing of it, but we've weaved in articles um or doing different pieces of content and I found out very soon about how the the podcasting it allows me to talk to a lot of people I've never would have been able to talk to. I mean you networking wise. I try to network with people before this and I got a lot of no's and a lot of people not messaging me back. Right. And it was like okay. And then I started the podcast then all of a sudden I'm looping in these big name people when I lead the question, like, hey, I got this podcast. Uh, would you be willing to be a guest on it? And of course, they're like, of course, I want to come be a guest on it. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I found that out very, um, you know, very early on and I'm still early stages. But now I'm trying to build this machine where not only myself can benefit from it, but people I can bring on who are college students or who just graduated. So one of the things that we're doing is that I've invited a lot of college students out there. I tweet it all the time. I try to DM people. I say, hey, I know you're trying to get into the sports industry, but I also notice you like to write or you like to talk. How about you come join Sports as a Job? I can't pay you any money, but I can give you the opportunity to say, hey, I'm reaching out on behalf of this Sports as a Job digital media. um, And I want to talk to you about interviewing um, about your story. And I had this new writer on and she's been on for about two weeks and she's texting me. She's like, oh, I messaged like 30 people and I haven't got a yes yet. And I was like, I was like, let me tell you in the beginning days, I was messaging about 200 people and I got about five yeses out of that 200. Yeah. And then 30 minutes later, she texts me. She's like, I got two yeses. I got two yeses. I was like, hey, that that average, that batting average right there that you got going on is a lot better than mine's in the beginning days. So yeah. for you, you know, there's there's a story about me when I first started the podcast, a person from Ireland DM'd me on Instagram and he said, Hey, he was like, Thank you for sharing your story on the podcast. I you know, I've always wanted to work in the soccer industry, but I never had the motivation or I, I never actually made that jump. And he said, I booked my ticket three weeks from now uh, because of what you were able to share and I'm going to England to pursue this career in the soccer industry and I just want to sell, say thank you. Wow. And this was three episodes in and from there I was hooked. I mean, so Adam, for you, was there a similar story? Was there a similar situation where somebody reached out to you? I mean, I'm sure you had a bunch of people reach out to you, but is there yeah. anything that you remember uh, more specifically?
0: So, uh, there's a very specific moment. Now there's a lot of, there's stories like that, right? Where you hear people um, that, hey, this is so inspiring and, and all these things. And, and those are amazing. I, I remember I got one, one time where I, I sort of was going through this moment of, man, is, like, is this worth it? Like, I'm putting a lot of time into this. I've got a family. I've got three kids. At that time, I just had two. Um, And and then I get this email from this guy, man. And, and it, almost, it almost brought tears to my eyes because it was like, okay, it, it, it is... People are listening, right? And 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 not everybody is gonna um, get like send you that message, right? And I think if you understand that, that's cool, or that's that's that helps. But there's one moment where i I went to South by Southwest, which which for you know most people probably know it as a music conference, right? And there's like a tech conference aspect. Um, a few years back, they started this whole little um, uh, niche of the conference was uh, SX Sports uh, South by sports. And, and it was just a sports tech. Uh, you had some, uh, athletes come sit on panels and and stuff like that. I'm in, I'm on the back of this, um, uh, this hotel and, and I'm having a quick drink. It's super hot outside and I'm in between panels. And this guy walks up to me and he had this, he, he had an Irish accent and he was like, Hey, I'm Shane. And I was like, Hey, what's up Shane? How you doing, man? And he was like, uh, you're the makers of sport guy, right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, I recognize your voice. I heard you talking to that person. I was like, Oh, cool, man, that's awesome. I was like, Where do you work? And he's like, I'm the president of uh, at the time, what's called Westpac Stadium. He was like, Have you heard of the uh, the New Zealand All Blacks? And I'm like, Yes, of course I have. And he was like, That's where that's where these these people play, and that's 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 where they play. It's kind of like you know, um, the CEO of Madison's like you know the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Madison Square Garden owns the Knicks and like the it's like. Uh, a, a real estate property that owns all those teams and whatnot. And so for me, I, I was like, "What?" because I knew, I, I mean, I really knew about the All Blacks, right? Like that's like, if you don't even know rugby, like you know about the All Blacks, right? Because just culturally like the the Haka and just uh, that, whole, that whole brand. And so for me, I kind of had this moment of, wow, dude, like that, that's pretty big time, man. Like that this guy has, even if he listened to like, Half of an episode. The fact that he, the fact, well, the fact that he even knew who I was, right, was a major ordeal. And, and so, and, and in that same, uh, that same day, I had a guy, another guy come up to me who was like the director of marketing for like Australian, the Australian Cricket Association or something like that. And I think, you know, hearing those things for, for, for a guy that grew up in Kentucky whose, whose world was basically just college basketball, Right. And then to have these people from these sports that like were not in my essential like my worldview growing up. Right. Um, that that humbled me incredibly because um you know it's it's like you just never know. You never know who's listening out there. And 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 I and I've I've tried to keep that perspective, right? Because it's easy to it's easy to sometimes get um like you're you know all of us um inside can can have like these moments of like this ego popping up where it's like you know more people should thank me right like I'm out here doing a service to people, and you kind of have those moments, but I think you have to check yourself uh um and and remember that there are people out there listening and that are getting things from this, and they may not always write in right so I know for me personally i I've actually tried to write like when I listen to something that because now I can actually empathize with those people right so when I read an article uh, when I see something that I admire or or whether it's like a, a little you know five minute documentary or, or whatever or a written piece I try to reach out to those people and say I really enjoyed this right because you never you never know how far that will also go with someone right because it because it may be that one message that I got that one day where I was like I'm gonna quit and then this guy hits me up and it's like I'm back at it, you know, <laughs> I've got the the adrenaline going again, you know? So yeah, man, it's, it's been, it's been incredible. Um, I don't know where, where, where I would be professionally um, and even personally without, without it. Cause I've also met some absolutely incredible friends that like, you know, some of them I, I've only met them in person like once, but if they're ever down here, they can crash on my couch, you know? I mean, it's, it's insane,
1: and you keep you all you keep mentioning that you know you being from Kentucky has kind of created this um, what do you call it now Insecureness about yourself and mm-hmm. and, and I, you hear that saying right just like like LeBron James just a kid from Ohio just uh, just a kid from Hawaii or just a kid from uh, Kentucky. Now I'm interested in that I'm interested in that framework that thought but more importantly how did you break that shale that shell of insecureness about being from a certain place because I'm from Hawaii and we take pride in being from there because there's not many successful big name people out there outside of now people know who Barack Obama is right. um, you know Bruno Mars uh, Marcus Mariota but really outside of like sports or Barack Obama there aren't really meeting people out there and they're like, oh, I'm just a kid from Hawaii. I can't make it big. I can't do this. Or I'm just a person from Kentucky. I can't do that kind of things. So what helped you break that shell of of that insecureness about being from Kentucky or just saying, hey, I'm not just that person from Kentucky. I'm more than that. I'm capable of doing more than just being that person from Kentucky.
0: Right. So um, having sort of these cultural influences and reading um, and consuming a lot of content and the internet and paying attention to that world, that obviously, that obviously helps, right? Cause we're in a, we're in a place where it almost doesn't matter where you live. Right. But there actually is, it's such a, it's such an interesting question because you, you are like, literally, these questions are drying out. You're a good interviewer because you're drying out these moments where I can now spe- specifically point to a moment <laughs> with this because um, I've got a friend, his name is Wes Keltner and he is in Lexington. And he has become a pretty big, uh, name in, in video games. Um, and, and he, he actually, his company actually created the Friday, the 13th game. And prior to that, they created a game called breach and clear, which is, which was a mobile game, which is like a strategy. Like, um, you had these, like this team of like Navy SEALs or whatever, and you had to like, sort of draw their path in and then you execute the plan or whatever. Um, he raised a bunch of venture capitalist money um and and made that happen but there was a there was a point in time <clears throat> and we haven't connected in a while cuz now he's like famous and and busy <laughs> and you know it's just hard to hard to connect but um we still dm back and forth um i went to lunch with him once and he was so passionate about video games and this is this is before like this is before that his app his breach and clear app was like you know in the top 5 of the app store or whatever um he was like, I want to start a video game conference and I want to do these things. But he, he had zeroed in on this passion. And then he said this thing to me, and, and I've, I've mentioned this actually in, in, in some of my episodes, but, but he was like, I will never, because uh, I think I kind of asked him that same question. Like, how are you, you going to do this? Like, what are you gonna, how are you going to make this happen being from here, right? Like people are telling you, you got to move to LA or you know, whatever. And he was like, I will never let my area code hinder what I can do as long as basically you have like the internet and, and that those sort of communication capabilities. And that right there was like a revolutionary moment for me too, because I keep pointing back to that. And, um, um, it would, it would be a few years later that I would start makers of sport, but that is a, is a pivotal point that I remembered where it's like, it doesn't matter where you live. Right. And so now I almost have like a mission, um, with my kids because I actually live. Uh, I say Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. So because people that's, you know, people will understand what that's at, but I actually live in like a really small town right Uh, out in the country. There's like, if I, if I were to like take my screen to my backyard, you would see like cows and stuff. (laughs) Um, I uh, now with three kids, I have this, I I sort of now have this internal mission to be like, look, if you want to do something, as long as you have the internet and, and it's not, you know, if you there's certain professions, right? Like if you're a doctor, you gotta go somewhere or whatever, right? But if you want to work in in any type of creative field where um, it doesn't necessarily require location dependence, which I believe most sports jobs don't, honestly. I mean, especially if you're doing like the design, if you're a photographer and you're doing some of that stuff, you got to be on on uh, on site. But I'm a big advocate of I live I live three hours from from Nashville about three and a half hours, I feel like I could work for them full time. And it's like, look, I'll come down on the weekend for the games and, and do game day duties and stuff, but why do I need to be in the office every day, right? Like if I consider my computer and especially in this new sort of COVID-19 uh, social distancing, quarantining world where people are, are hesitant to, to go in places with people, we should be able, you know, if you're certain aspects of what you do, you should be able to do it anywhere as long as you have a computer and the internet and, you know, a phone or whatever. And so now that's part of my mission is to teach my kids and then any kids in this area um, that I speak to about it, that, Hey, like, it doesn't matter where you live. If you're passionate about sneakers, now there's a whole Instagram community of sneaker designers and they're getting, you know, they're, they're doing drawings that are absolutely insane and some of them are getting picked up, you know, as collabs by some of the big brands, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And it seems like you've always been early, like like you started the podcast in 2014. And I think at the time, podcasts weren't at the stage it is now. But also you graduated in 2005 when maybe the internet or creative design wasn't at its peak as the way it is now. Um, you know, being in those early stages, and I, I don't mean to make you feel old at all. I'm only 22 years old. Yeah. I don't know how <laughs> no, old you are. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, what, I guess, what, What kind of role did that play for you? Because, I mean, the industry changed from 2005 to 2020. So I'm sure there was a lot of things you had to learn along the way. But what do you think the benefit or even the downfall of you entering the industry at 2005, but also entering the podcasting world in 2014?
0: Yeah, so I have this running joke with a with a buddy of mine who's a he's a photographer that I've worked with for 15 years, and and always I, I like to tell him that I'm I'm the king of adopting something early and then abandoning it before it gets like you know mainstream or whatever. So to even be continuing to podcast is a <laughs> is a weird thing for me because usually I would have like done this years ago and then been done, and then all of a sudden it gets mainstream. Um, you know, I was doing Snapchat takeovers years ago of like you know, designers in sports going to, you know, walking through their day to day or whatever. Um, so, but, but I'm, I'm definitely, I'm an early adopter. Some of that comes with me just being, uh, um, you know, being a techie, right? Like I just enjoy technology. I read technology blogs or, you know, follow Twitter accounts or have lists and and that kind of thing. Um, so, so, you know, I, I have a genuine interest in technology. So that, that helps me be an early adopter. Um, but, I, I have found, and this is what I really wanna push for most people is that um, I've seen some college friends that essentially, um, I would say my passion for learning did not come until after college. When I was in college, I was like, let me do the bare minimum to get my grade and get out of here, right? I'm gonna go like party or whatever. <laughs> I was I was not a, a, a great student. and And I would say it wasn't until I was around maybe 24 or so, that um uh, maybe a little younger, maybe 23. Um, it would have been right after I left that company, right? So because I knew that I had to like learn and 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 keep going because I didn't even know what an invoice was, right? Um, I I got addicted to learning, right? So I sort of forced myself to learn, and then you kind of like um learn as you go, and you make mistakes, and then you 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 know try it again with the next. Client or whatever the next situation, and you make mistakes, and then it's just uh, life. And our careers are just like an iterative process, right? Um, and and I think when I see when I read about people that are extremely famous, um, be it um, you know singers or or whatever, I have this episode that I did years ago about imposter syndrome, and and when you see that like these. Pretty successful people have it, um, it. It helps. It helps change your perspective, right? So I'm 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 37. So I, that's my age. I turned 37 a couple weeks ago, and I was I was on a podcast recently, and I told some I told the guy on there I was like, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up, man. Like <laughs> honestly, that's that's like the blessing and the curse of being a creative person and and having these and, and being interested in new things because. Every time something comes out you 're like, "Oh man, what if I could do that You know But also the curse of it is that for me personally like i don 't have like a specialty I mean I specialize in in a in a vertical market, which is like the sports industry, but i don 't specialize in a um, like a like a horizontal service, so it 's not like i 'm not like the branding guy for sports i 'm not like the user interface guy for sports you know, that type of thing. I'm all those things (laughs) because um, when you work independently, um, you just, you learn to wear a lot of hats, right? And so um, that, I don't know that that's necessarily for everybody because I definitely do know people that have went all in on like one thing and then they become that, that person. But my biggest fear has always been, what happens when that one thing goes out of style, right? Like you've got all your eggs in that basket. Right, and I see some of these designers, and they got this one specific style. And there might—I'll see a lot of art directors across like the advertising landscape, and they'll pick. You can you can always tell who's sort of like the illustrator of the moment, right? Because their work will start popping up on like all these all these brands. And if you are in the know, then you know who that person is. But then they're gone, and they're spit up and chewed out. You know, after a while, because people are like tired of that look. You know, so so I, I try to be flexible, and and I think that is why the early adopting aspect has been important to me. Um, and it's sort of just been subconscious at this point. Like I just, I pick things up quickly and I learn things pretty quickly now. Um, but I will say that to start me on that journey, there was a year, there was a year that I made, a, one, uh, made a, re, a New Year's resolution to read one book per month. And I think that year I ended up reading like 19 books. So I exceeded that goal. And then since then, it's just like, Audio books, podcasts, you know, soaking up as much information as possible. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you know, you're able to have um a, a broad perspective on a lot of different things. But but I think that what you do start to see is is you'll start to weave this um this through line on like your own philosophies, right? So I've become like this very strategy-minded person, like this brand strategy, like who are we? Um uh what 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 do we who do they think we are on the outside? How can we influence that story? Right. A lot of people look at brands and like, oh, a brand is, um, you know, especially schools or, or you can get caught up in like this in-house mentality where, um, you're inside the bottle or you're in, you're inside the jar, but you can't see the label, right. Because you're inside the jar. So what does the label look like? Right. Like, what do you look like to the outside perspective from a branding perspective? And that, that has helped me to have a, a um, I try to think about that on both sides of that, um, and and yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, this is it's funny because I'm kind of down a rant here, <laughs> uh, or, or like I'm, I'm I'm on a tangent here as far as like the whole early adoption thing. But I am very passionate about storytelling and and branding, and 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 I feel like that that uh, if you study and you read a lot of things, it can help kind of mold your perspective on those things.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm such a, in such an interesting situation because like how you were saying, a lot of the things you started to learn was outside of college because you were looking at college. Well, I I was kind of the opposite. I mean, I I really did focus in and dive in to college because that's what the parents and that's what people, you know, tell you. you, you dive in, you get your good grades. I had very good grades. Um, and I'm in this first year of working full time now. And my current position is doing event management and um operations. So basically, I'm in charge of home game operations at the small D2 athletic department. And when I started to think about doing the blog and this podcast, I started f- to find this new passion for storytelling. I've kind of always had this, this passion for storytelling. I mean, I started writing poetry when I was in, in the seventh grade. And so I was always in touch and there's many different forms of storytelling. And I'm in this situation now where I'm working full time and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. But also one of the things you were saying, like you're helping build something that's not necessarily yours and there's maybe there's frustration and maybe there's something you want to go and do. And that's kind of the situation I'm in right now is is trying to figure out, you know, I found this new passion and from what people say, I, I seem to be pretty good at it. Um, and I think we're bringing, I bring in value. I'm not making money off of the sports as a job thing, but I'm still trying to figure out like, how can I turn this new found passion or this new skill into something I can do for the rest of my life? And that's where I'm currently at. But it, it, it's interesting for me, your story. I mean, you have a lot of advice within these stories that you, you, you are giving me. Um, who's a person that kind of inspires you? Who's your inspiration um, that you really look up to?
0: Um, I, I wouldn't say that there's necessarily one in particular. I don't, I'm not really, I don't really, uh, the graphic design industry has this tendency to sort of celib- have this heroism sort of thing. They put these people on a pedestal and, um, I kind of did that early on and was like, oh, there's this famous designer and whatnot. And, but outside of this world, nobody cares about <laughs> that person, right? Like a famous designer is like being a famous dentist, right? Like nobody, <laughs> nobody cares that much. But I would say now that my heroes, the the things that inspire me the most is when I read about people that that uh, that take a risk, and it can be any level um, of of success, right? Whether it's like they sold a multi million dollar company, or it's like you know some some uh, you know mom and pop just was like, we want to start a food truck, right? And so I think these stories about business and small business and people taking this passion. to having this passion and then wanting to bring that passion to the world and, and and serve people through that passion. That is what inspires me now. Right. So um, here, you know, your own story, right? Like I, I love it when people pursue side projects um, because it, it's a way to experiment, right? Like you have like this steady thing in your job and all you're doing is you're, you're adding additional skills um, to what you can bring to your day to day at the at the D two school, mm-hmm. and 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 that's a whole another thing, man. I, I actually people that work for um for high schools and and for um smaller athletics um programs, I have like the the a ton of respect for those people, right? Because uh, you're kind of the um you're kind of forgotten about in the grand scheme of things because you know it's easy to, um, and I'm not saying it's easy, their job is easy, but like if, if I was to tomorrow go work at the, you know, the university of Kentucky, right. And say, I'm like following coach Cal around and now I'm on the basketball program. And now my own personal brand gets associated with that. And I start building this following of Kentucky fans. How much of that following is really following me because of me or just because I have that Kentucky, I have that access to coach Cal. Right. And so, um, some of that stuff, man, and I've had friends who worked at a place and they go leave somewhere else and their whole following just boom, just falls <laughs> because like most of the people were just fans of wherever they were working, right? They didn't necessarily care about the person. Um, so yeah, man, anybody that, that pursues a passion um, uh, and then turns that passion um, into some type of a business and this is just the entrepreneur in me, it's where the entrepreneurial bug bit me. I really enjoy reading about those people, and I would say those people are my heroes because there is a um uh, there is some risk involved right I mean you don't know you don't know what the future holds, and especially now right i mean I think if if you look at history and and i can't off the top of my head, I can't name any of these, but it feels like in history when these moments happen where it's like you know world war two uh you know some other pandemic or these sort of global occurrences that these businesses pop up. Uh, that's when things start, people start to innovate. Right. Because like there's, they have no choice. Um, uh, you know, whether like right now we see companies making like a lot of companies that started making masks, right. That wouldn't, or, or any type of like PPE, uh, material, um, because they're just trying to help the world. Right. And so, so those types of missions, um, are inspiring and and companies like like my glasses are um it's this brand called Warby Parker. Uh, Warby Parker is a um uh, an eyewear company that kind of kind of started on the um are you you familiar with Tom's shoes? Like you know they sell like they if you buy a pair of Tom's shoes they give a pair to like a person in need. Basically, it's like this one for one model.
1: Mm, I've I've um, never heard of that, but I've heard of companies that do that.
0: Yeah, so I think they were the ones that actually started that. And so Warby Parker is the same way. Like you buy a pair of glasses, they give a pair to, to a, a person in need. So kind of like those mission-based businesses um, are interesting to me. But as far as an actual individual, early on, I would have probably said Steve Jobs because I was just nerding out on him like every other Apple fan. Um, and, and then, you know, there's, uh, uh, well, Tinker Hatfield, um, at Nike, he he's a sneaker designer. Designed a couple of the Jordans, um, uh, and then the the founders of Wyden Kennedy. Um, they Wieden Kennedy is the advertising agency. It was Nike's ad agency, and so all of the amazing Nike ads that we associate with the brand Nike that comes from Wyden Kennedy.
1: Okay, so, I didn't know that. I mean, there, there's a couple. I'll probably I'll probably go check them out right after yeah. this to read their story and, and learn about them, but. Adam, I appreciate you hopping on the podcast and taking the time to, to tell me your story and a little about your journey. Um, where can people find you or makers of sports on, on social media? You know I, I want you to plug um, and make sure our audience knows of the great resources that you have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, probably the best place. Um, I'll just give you one. I mean, just go to@ at makers of Sport on Twitter. I'm very active there and within my Twitter bio, you will find my own personal uh, Twitter account, which is at T Adam Martin. And then at T Adam Martin will take you to my own other links of like my studio and whatnot. So yeah, reach out. Uh, Anybody has questions. I'm always, I always enjoy answering questions and kind of sharing what I've learned with the world. So
1: well, thank you, Adam. And to everybody who joined in, thank you for taking the listen. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I ask if this brought you value to please leave us a rating and a review. And like we always say, we are all on our own individual journeys, but you are not alone.
0: Yeah, so that's it. I hope you were able to be inspired a bit by that interview. If you are interested in Colby's podcast, you can check out all that he does on Twitter at sports as a job, as well as sportsasajob.com. Looks like he's doing quite a few different podcasts now um, in the sports business space. So good dude. Really enjoyed that chat. Like I said early, he is a very good interviewer. Um, So check him out. Check out his stuff. We've still got Tori Boykins of the Kansas City Royals coming on to the next episode. Uh, That being said, baseball is back, sports are back. Things are looking up somewhat, but I do realize that there is a long way to go as we are beginning to hear of the furloughs and the backlash from the months of the coronavirus quarantining and what that's done to the revenue in sports. So I just want y'all to know that my thoughts and prayers are with y'all going through those hard times. Don't hesitate to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at makers of sport. I'll be thinking about everyone. And, uh, yeah, so until next time, have a good week.